0: Father, we're here this morning to worship You, uh, to express the gratitude that we have of the gift of Your Son, the saving power of the Messiah. Father, that once You come to know Him, it literally changes Your eternity. So I ask this morning, Father, that as we do all the other things we do and as we bustle around and we're busy and we show love to each other, We just don't forget that it was you that taught us that, because you are that. Father, we love you so much. It's through your Son we pray. Amen. So as many of you guys know, uh, a team of very serious and wise men uh, just returned from a trip to Asia. I think uh, we may have a a picture of those very serious and wise men. Uh, And originally when we started talking about what we were going to do this morning, the idea was to give you guys a little taste of one of the teachings that we did while we were over there uh, in just one little piece of a whole crazy week of ideas. Uh, The second thing that we're going to talk about this morning, though, which Will come as no surprise to you guys, what I thought I was going over there to teach them, they taught me tenfold. So, I'm excited to share with you guys a little bit about that. At the end, in the crazy way that God worked all that together, that as I was preparing all of this stuff, He knew what He had in store for me when I got there. So, one of the main reasons that we went over there was to speak at this men's conference uh, that we had up in the mountains And we had, I don't say, probably 30 guys or so. And of these 30 guys, you kind of have two distinct groups of young men that we're ministering to over there. The purpose of the whole weekend was to minister to these young men about the Father heart of God. And and that may not sound like a very big deal to you guys, but if you understood their backgrounds, you would understand why it meant so much to talk to them about that. We have two main groups of young men. The first group came from a culture, a background of a lot of alcohol abuse in the home, a lot of abusive fathers in the home. And before we get too tough on these guys, understand that was a hard life when these young men were born and were bringing up. A lot of these fathers were self-medicating just to try to get through what they could get through. But unfortunately, that self-medicating came at the expense of their families, and in a lot of cases, came at the expenses of their sons. These young men don't know what it's like to have a kind, loving father. I I I heard stories from young men crying just one time their dad would say they were proud of him. The second group that we had, that we met with over there, basically, if they proclaim a belief in Jesus Christ, their families turn their backs. They literally have to make a choice between faith and the family that raised them. And in some cases, I met young men who have come to a faith in Jesus Christ and their families don't know. They're actually kind of living this second life right now, trying to figure out how they can witness to their families and how they can share this love with their families at the same time without getting completely cut off from them. So you can see with those two groups of young men, trying to talk to them about a father's heart, about the love of our father, is a difficult thing. You've got one group of young men whose fathers were abusive. You've got another group of young men whose fathers could also have been very abusive, but have probably turned their backs on them altogether. Now that you understand just a little bit more about kind of the two groups that we went to minister to, I want you to understand a little bit about what we saw at the at the meetings that we were in up in the mountains. It was amazing. Um, these guys are so raw. Uh, they, they are so desperate, and they've sacrificed so much to be up there. Personal risk, legal risk, family risk, everything, and these guys are up there, and they're desperate, and they're hearing from a couple of uh, of American guys telling them about the love of the Father's heart, and they're young men who are desperately wanting to understand that, but struggling so hard. So the first teaching that we had up there, our pastor who's over children's ministry and small groups, you guys may know him, um, he did a great teaching uh, to open things up and was just basically kind trying to explain to them what is the Father's heart and what does that look like. And a very powerful part of that teaching was when he said that God looks at you and says, I want to love you just like that. And he was talking about the time that he looked at his son in the car seat and was just overwhelmed with the love that he felt for his son. And you should see the looks on these guys' faces when all of a sudden they realized that there could be a father that loved them that desperately, and they've never known that love. And then the second teaching was from our youth pastor uh, who's traveling this weekend, Uh, so he's not here with us. But he wanted to, to teach them about what it looks like to try to understand that love when all you've ever seen from your earthly father is disappointment. And if you guys get a chance to sit down with him and understand his background and his witness, uh, it is a very, very powerful moving story. And I would encourage you guys to spend some time with him when he gets back and understand that. He shared with these guys and they could relate to that so strongly with where he's come from and yet see him now so strong in his faith. It was an incredible, incredible teaching. How can I know the love of the Father when my earthly father has fallen so short? And the last thing that I want to tell you guys before we get too far into what the teaching looked like is... For uh, language reasons, I found myself sitting with some American guys quite a bit. And they had had good relationships with their fathers. But these guys were young fathers themselves. And so it was amazing how God turned this teaching and flipped it to them to say, am I being the father that I'm hearing about in the rest of these sermons? Is this how I want my kids to remember me? And am I living that out? And it was really cool to see this kind of teaching going two different ways and changing people. So maybe this morning as we go through the teaching, maybe you're going to relate with the young men that we've talked about in the two groups. Maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your father. And it's a hard thing for you to think about the love of God our Father whenever you put that in the same relationship as your earthly father. Or possibly you're going to be in the second group. You've had a good relationship with your father. It's easy for you to understand that. But maybe this is a good gut check to say as a dad, am I doing the things that I want my kids to remember? Am I showing them God's love in the way I'm raising them? So we came to the third teaching, which was the weakest of all three. Um, I think probably because of the guy that delivered it. But it went something like this. Uh, we started out with this verse in John that I have been wrestling with now for months. Uh, John 15, 9 through 12. This is an amazing verse because for me, in, in my mind, in trying to make God logical, which doesn't always work real well, but this lays out in a very logical pattern. See if you can follow this with me. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my joy, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So for me, it lays out this very... Clear progression that Jesus is, is telling us, I have loved you as the Father has loved me, and now i 'm commanding you to love one another as I have loved you, so if i 'm going to understand how i 'm supposed to love one another i 've got to go back and look at the way the Father loved the Son and then the way the Son loved me, and then my command. To love others in that way. So why is it so important. To understand the father's heart. Because it. Flows through everything. It flows through the command. That we're given to love one another. We have to go back. And understand this. It's the foundation. Jesus further tells us in there. That if we love him. We'll keep his commands. Ooh that starts to sting a little bit. The concept of love and obedience, love and commands, it's found over and over in the Word. And it's easy to get caught up in that as some kind of rule set or laws that we've got to obey or things we've got to do. But i got to tell you guys, that's really far from the Father's heart. And why do I say that? Well, because I see that in the why. Jesus actually says why. He's telling us to do that. He says that you remain in my love, and then he, there's a so that. I love so that. It helps my little mind. So why does Jesus tell us to keep these commands? So that we may have His joy. That's interesting to me. He says, Keep my commands so that you may have my joy. What is his joy? Is it just joy? Why couldn't he have said, Keep my commands so that you'll have joy? So, what is his joy? Where is it found? Sounds like something I'd like to have a part of. His joy is found in walking in the perfect plan that the Father has laid out for him. And our joy could be His joy if we find ourselves walking in the perfect plan that the Father has laid out for us. Sounds easy. You guys may have even heard sermons on that before. No big deal. That's what you do. Any questions? Let's go catch a Broncos game. How do I do that? Jesus walked in perfect unity with the Father and this was a source of joy even in times of great trouble. I want that. So how do we do this? In John 17, 3, it says, Now this is eternal life, that they know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To walk in the perfect plan of the Father, first we must know the Father. To understand the plan that He lays out, we also have to know His Son. This is eternal life, that they know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Once you know the Father, and once you know the Son, then you can begin to trust the plan. Remember, this Sunday what we're doing here is you guys are getting a peek at what we were doing with these young men. These young men that are struggling to know the love of the Father. These young men that are in in an area that's very difficult. They can't evangelize like we can. They don't have churches on every corner that they can pop into. We're talking to these guys about following the perfect plan of the Father and they're looking around and saying, man, this thing looks really difficult. This perfect plan seems like quite a challenge. How do I trust that? So we look at a very popular verse that you guys have all heard many times in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. In walking in perfect unity with the Father, we experience the joy that Jesus described. How do we do this? The Scripture promises a perfect plan. A perfect plan it promised, but it left out a piece that I would have wanted to see in there, and that's the easy plan. Many of these guys have given up so much to be in their walk with the Father. Like we talked about earlier, many of these guys have given up families They've certainly given up um, wealth and security over there. So when they've given all this stuff up and they're trying to trust the plan and they're trying to walk in this plan and it seems like overwhelming obstacles to overcome, that struggle is very, very real for them and it's very, very difficult. So how do we do it? How are they going to do it? How are they going to continue? How are we going to continue? Well, it should be no surprise that there's Scripture that addresses that as well. Know that in your own strength you don't have a shot. In Philippians 4.13 we find this verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I had a note text message from one of my brothers who had no idea that this was in the message this morning. And I had to reread my notes after he sent it to say, am I misapplying this verse? I think this verse is misapplied often. So let's talk about it for just a second. This isn't some banner to go waving in front as we run foolishly headlong into other things. When Paul wrote this verse... It had come right on the heels of him saying that he had learned to be content and great and learned to be content and little. My intent with this verse and sharing this with these young men is that this verse is a reminder that when things get difficult, it's not of your own strength, but it's Christ's strength that will sustain you in these difficult things. So if we know the Father, we know His Son, we obey His commands, we stay in the perfect plan, and we do it all through the strength of Christ, pretty straightforward. Let's talk about just a couple more little pieces. Is how I do it important? Is what I'm involved with as I do it important? Another brother of mine here at this church has reminded me many times in the last six months, he didn't even realize that he was doing it for me. But what is the spirit that we're supposed to carry ourselves in as we do this? This is a spirit of boldness. This is a spirit of fear not. In 2 Timothy... It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And in Isaiah it says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In John fourteen twenty seven, it says, peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. In Isaiah, again, it says, but now this is what the Lord says. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine In Joshua it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And in Psalms it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You guys, I could go on and on on verses in the Bible, that tell us to fear not. To tell us to walk in the boldness of Christ. And why am I beating us up on this? Stay with me just a little bit more. If you know the Father, and you know the Son, and you trust in the perfect plan that they've promised you, and you carry it out through the power of Christ who died in you, and you do it in a spirit of boldness, What does that look like? Well, it boils down to this. It gets to the point where like Christ came and laid down His life, you're doing this for others. You guys may have heard this verse in Matthew before. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's so encouraging for me that even when He's giving us the Great Commission and He's sending us out to show this love that He showed us, He's sending us out to do this for others, He reminds us at the very end that I will be with you when you do this to the very end of the age. You guys, the greatest way to know this joy is is to watch it take heart in others. If you can do this in a spirit of boldness and without fear, knowing that he's with us to the very end of the age, then you are far more than a conqueror. We sing that song all the time, but do we really ever think about that? When we go out, we are far more than conquerors. We were doing greater than just a little battle. We were doing it with more power than just a man. We are on a mission that's greater than any basic mission that's ever been given. We are far more than conquerors. And in Romans 8, 31 through 39, we find those verses. Think about now this verse as we've talked about it. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is with us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I may even throw on there, nor slick roads or cold mornings, or scraping ice. I love you guys, and I'm so glad to see you guys here. This is your Father's heart. Here's the crazy part. That's what I prepared to go teach them. That's what I took over there. And then I got over there. The last part of that original verse in John was to love one another as I have loved you. The last part of that was the Father's heart of message. I'm telling them to be bold. I'm telling them to love one another. I'm telling them to go out and reach people. And I'm telling these guys all of these things that I went over there to encourage them and to teach them and realize when I got there that this lesson was for me. This is where I started to learn from them. You guys, it's so cool if you get the opportunity to go over there. What you see when you go over there, it's like taking a peek back in time to the very infancy of church. These guys are just now getting things launched. They don't have big fancy buildings. They don't have professional paid staff. They don't have people that that get up in the morning and do church for them. These guys are in the very infancy of the church like we saw in Acts. These guys are meeting together in people's homes just to teach and worship, just to be in the Word together. I saw these people gather and read together, and pray together, and worship together, and pray for each other. And the cool thing is, guys, they were praying for you too. They know this church. And they love you guys. And they know the love that you guys have for them. So what did I learn from them? Very simple statement very big idea what I learned from them what I saw them doing what they taught me was to be intentional what do I mean these guys are in a very difficult culture they've got to overcome barriers that we don't even think about just to share the gospel with other people The only way that they can exist, the only way that they can reach other people, is to be very, very intentional. Let me tell you kind of where I found myself. Maybe it'll resonate with you guys a little bit. I think I'd got comfortable in evangelizing. I think that I had found myself in this place where if I just go along living a good life, being a good man, being a good father, then other people are going to see that and ultimately at some point they're going to say, can you tell me why you act the way you do? Can you tell me what you have that I'm missing? Can you tell me why you have joy and I don't? And I kind of thought that, you know, as I go, I can just kind of be a good guy and, and God will open these doors, and I'll get the opportunity to share with people. And I'm not saying that's entirely wrong, guys. I'm just saying that what I learned over there is I don't think that's enough. I was living out that popular Christian slogan. We've even got it up in our house that says, Preach the gospel always and sometimes use words. But unfortunately for me, I think I was trying so hard on preach the gospel always, I never got around to using those words. I guess I was just kind of waiting for somebody to ask me. And then I started thinking about, and I've talked through the men's group with uh, about a little bit about this. You guys, there are many, many organizations out there that are doing some really, really good things. There are lots of organizations out there that clothe the homeless, help the poor, care for orphans and widows, and yet they're not Christian organizations at all. That's great work. So what makes us different Than any of those organizations, if we go along doing only the same things that they're doing. If we're satisfied with meeting the temporal needs of these people, then both our efforts and these organizations' efforts are adequate. It's good. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. Don't hear me say that that food drives and clothing drives and Those are all very, very good things. But the difference that I saw over there and the difference, church, that I'm hoping that we can get back to is that the point of doing all of those things for these people is to ultimately get to the point where we can share the good news of Jesus with these people. It's great to give somebody a coat, It's going to keep them warm today, but it's not going to change their eternity at all. Let me give you a few examples of what I saw while I was there. In my first few nights staying at the Host Family, um, there were these huge huge dinners every night. You guys, anybody that's heard stories of people coming back from Asia, they talk about that you eat all the time. This is true. Okay? And they put out an amazing spread. (laughs) Crazy amounts of food all the time. But each one of those dinners was a specific group of people that they had invited over to their home with the intention of ultimately sharing the gospel with them. It wasn't just a, hey, let's get around the table and have dinner. That was great. Everybody enjoyed that part. But ultimately, it was so that they could Share the gospel. And even in in this picture, actually, this was the second dinner going on in the same house at the same time. I was part of another dinner in another room with a separate group of people that was just as intentional as it was in this room with these groups of people. You think about that for a second. Two men in the same house both being so intentional that they're actually hosting meals in different rooms of the same house at the same time both with the intention ultimately of sharing the gospel not just kind of bumbling along and hoping that somewhere in the night they would get the opportunity to do this or somewhere going to work etc they would get the opportunity to do this it was amazing And even beyond that, i got to tell you guys this crazy thing that I got to be a part of. In the villages outside the main city where, as I said earlier, there were very culturally strong influences, you have to have a reason to be there. There is no go up and knock on the door and try to introduce yourself to somebody. If you're not supposed to be there, they're not going to hear you. They're not going to trust you. And quite honestly, you're going to get run out so I met these guys that said we believe that these people out there are desperate these are the people that we're trying to reach we've got to have a reason to go out there and see them what are we going to do so that we can go out there and meet these folks so they started a business or at least they wanted to start a business Chris can you go forward one I don't want to talk too much about what the business is, because I don't want to put their work in jeopardy. But these guys started a business so that they could have a reason to be in the village, so that they could have a reason to have interaction with the people out there. The amazing thing is, when they wanted to start their business, they went to some Christian organizations, and they said, we need money for equipment. We can't do this on our own. We can't afford this. Can you guys supplement us with money for this equipment? As you guys can imagine, it was expensive. And the Christian organizations looked at these guys and they said, What experience do you have doing this? And they said, We don't have any experience, but we really think this is a good idea. We really think this is going to give us an opportunity to reach people. And the guy said, that's great, we agree, we think this is a great idea, but we're not giving you any money if you don't have any experience. So these guys said, well, I guess God's closed that door, we better figure out another way. Actually, That's a lie. They didn't do that at all. What they did was they built equipment by hand and then they went out and they did their first project by hand and were successful. They got what they were after. They went back to the same organizations that had laughed at them and said, We're not giving you guys any money because you have no experience. And they went back and they said, We've got experience. We've got not just experience, but we've got success. We know how to do this. And so now if you guys will fund us to get equipment, it will give us the opportunity to go into these villages and give these people something that they are desperate for and actually give them two things that they are very desperate for. So one morning I showed up um, not really knowing what to expect, I met these guys on the side of the road. We went into a village. This was going to be the first home in the entire village that was not getting what you saw from the barrels out of the barrels. Those barrels were delivered while I was there and as it said on the screen, that's what they had, totally. I watched them come out of the house and scoop pans up and go back in to cook or clean or do any of those things. This job that these guys were doing for them was going to change all of that. What impact do you think that would have on the rest of that village? What opportunities do you think that might open up for conversation with the rest of that village? But these guys needed a reason to be there. They needed to be able to do something. They needed to be able to meet a need. They needed to be able to open the door. And so they intentionally made plans to do that. I was so convicted by their efforts and the rest of the people that I saw that I don't think what I was doing was necessarily bad, but I had to ask myself, where was my intention? What was it I was really doing? So I sat with a a man... Uh, who is well-known over there. Um, Some of you guys know him. He's the, the guy in the middle at the top. This is a strong, strong, strong man. And the work that he does over there is really amazing. And so I asked him, if I could carry a message back to my church from you, what message would you send back across the world? And at first, he's also a very humble man, and he didn't want to say anything. He didn't want to tell us anything. He, he, he said, you know, ah, no, I, I couldn't. And then we talked for a little while longer. And the message that he sent back for us was that it isn't just up to the pastor. All the people are the church. And you guys, this is what I saw lived out over there because that's the way it is for them over there. They're all having to pull. They're all having to do this because they don't have this system that we've set up after all of these years. A great way to bring glory to God, a great way to follow His plan, a great way to show the love He showed you and that you're to show another is to share the saving power of Christ. I'm not sure there's any way to show greater love than that. So I ask you guys what if I was that intentional? What if we were that intentional? What about that neighbor that you've waved to now for three years? What about the coworker that you've been wanting to invite to lunch? What about those things? What if we could just be intentional? And also, guys, hear me say this I am very aware and concerned about another Sunday where the guy in the pulpit's telling me that I'm just not doing enough. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't hear me say that. What I'm saying is in all of the things that you're already doing, in all of the things that you guys have already got going, what if we could just be intentional in those things? And if you do that in that boldness, if you do that knowing That God will never leave you nor forsake you if you know that He's with you and you know that this is the plan that He wants to use you to reach others. And in doing that, you'll be filled with joy. You'll get to share what you have. This amazing, amazing plan. Can you imagine if we could be intentional about doing that? How incredible that would be. Guys, we all have to eat. We all have to work. Well, most of us have to work, Norm. You're welcome. You have to be out in public. You have to see neighbors. You have to do these things. Let's just be intentional. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the opportunities that You've blessed us with. What can we give You that You haven't already given us? The very next breath I take is a gift. Father, I pray that You would stir my heart, that I would use it more and more to serve You, to glorify You, to show love to others. I pray, Father, for this body this morning that we know You, we know Your Son. We know the plan that You have for us, that we're encouraged in this plan, knowing that You walk it with us. Father, that we know that when we get in those times of discouragement, when things are difficult or we're afraid, it's Christ's strength that sustains us in those. I pray, Father, that that would just get very, very real for us. And I am so grateful Although I do not understand why you would make the plan that you have, I am so grateful that you've chosen to let us be a part of it. So Father, we love you. And it's through the holy name of your Son we pray. Amen.